Welcome to the world's premier Black Crows podcast. State of America. Hosted by two of the band's most dedicated fans, David Hudson and Ian Rice. And now, let's get the show on the road. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the State of America podcast. I trust that everybody has had a uh, good Memorial Day weekend. Uh, Ian and I are actually recording this on Memorial Day night, and uh, I worked all day today, and Ian, it sounds like, loafed around a good bit. How are you, Ian? Yes, that's exactly what I did. I'm good. How are you, sir? I am very well. I'm very well. Uh, So you didn't do anything today, huh? Not a whole lot, no. I, uh, you know... Relax with my thoughts, as they say. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, did you listen to any music? Yeah, today I was listening to, um, my wife got me for my, my birthday, and I, I just recently got around to it on vinyl, um, Gene Clark's White Light, which is, Gene Clark is from The Birds. Yeah. It's just him, him and acoustic doing a bunch of originals. Oh, that sounds really cool. Nice. Really nice. That sounds cool. How big is your vinyl collection? It's not tremendous, but you can see a piece of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's not as big as it should be, because I um, I tend to reserve vinyl stuff for for things I can't find elsewhere or things that aren't available elsewhere. Um, that's just me though. I know I know a lot of people are dyed in the wool vinyl people. You know? Well, I I started last summer really getting into it, and I have the eighty percent rule. If I like eighty percent of the songs on the album, I'll buy it. That's uh, good rule of thumb. Yeah, and and I'm trying to do be a archivist when it comes to the uh black crows vinyl but uh, there's a couple that i just i can't i can't find for anything remotely reasonable so i'm hoping bull moose is just going to keep on releasing these you know i got to look and i guess my um lost crows on vinyl will get here next friday so nice i'm uh, excited about that and i think it's actually up on amazon now so yeah that's because i missed out on the uh you know a bunch of people were kind enough to send me messages to let me know uh that it was coming out and i was i was traveling at the time by the time i got home that sucker was gone so i'm gonna have to get it from amazon well next time that happens if you're traveling i'll just put two in the cart (laughs) thanks buddy (laughs) but uh i'm hoping that that lost crows because the only the only problem and uh you know a lot of people get real serious about this uh, i i I, it matters to me like a lot of more recent cd releases are, are what they call brick walls is they have the dynamic range compressed out of them. And I was doing something the other day, and I had to convert my Lost Crows to a, you know, an audio file, and I saw it, and it, it really is big victim of that. I was hoping that maybe the vinyl would be a little bit more dynamically sound. Hopefully they mastered it, particularly for vinyl. I hope so, too. That from and I never owned Before the Frost an original vinyl but the copy i got that came out last month uh to me sounds just fine so yeah, it's very very close to the um original and the original was was nice so i mean what are the what are the ones that you're missing so far um by your side lions crowology those are the big ones yeah um I don't know. Well, maybe I don't think they made very many of the by your side or lines. Um, I don't think so. I mean, lions is hard to come by. Every time I see it, it's like upwards of like two fifty. Right. You know. Um, I know that um, there were a couple of variations on war paint. I happen to have those, except for the there was one that was released way like after, like almost maybe ten years after on blue vinyl that I didn't pick up. Really? Do you even have a war paint live on vinyl? No, and I'm an idiot. They had it in the shop I normally go to, and I saw it. I said, oh, I'll grab it next time. Gone. So <laughs> <laughs> That one, um, that album, I, I like the, it's the encore section that I like so much on it. The, yeah, that's uh, actually how I got introduced to that song, uh, Hey Grandma. Yeah, was that, is that Moby Great? Yes. Yeah, you know, it's a hard, it's hard to find. Like, I, I don't, I've been able, unable to find the original version even like on Spotify I've had to go to YouTube um, to listen to I, it I think at the time I uh, I sought it out on some kind of CD release I have to see if I had that somewhere it's it a great lost in the shuffle you know it's a great song yeah oh yeah and that and they they did also on that one uh, 
a song I've liked by Delaney and Bonnie with uh, with Clapton, um, Poor Elijah. I always liked that one. Yeah, he uh, he was raised not too far from where I am right now. Is that right? Yeah, he's a Mississippi boy. Um, Ian Weir, this will be our fifth episode that we've released, and um, I don't know about you, but the response that we've gotten has just blown me away. What about you? Absolutely. I mean, um, you know, aside from the, the numbers aspect, just the people that reach out, get in touch and tell me, you know, how cool they think it is, how, how much they enjoy it. And, uh, you know, that really, that really means a lot to me and I'm sure it means a lot to you. And it's, it's nice to know that two guys talking about something they're very passionate about, you know, resonates with, with other like-minded fans. The, the, like I said, the response has been great. Um, on social media, Instagram, I'm, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook. Uh, I've got emails, texts. Uh, Ian mentioned it last time. I mentioned it this week. We have an email account, stateofamorica at gmail.com. You'd like to be a guest on the show or have an idea or there's something you don't like that we're doing or you want us to change, email us and uh, we'll do our best to uh, accommodate you. We are in the process now of starting to line up some guests. Uh, so you won't yes. just have to hear me and Ian by ourselves. Uh, I mentioned it last week. Our, our game plan on this is to roll it out and give you a, a glimpse of every little thing that we want to try to do before we double back on something. So um, last week we were going to title our album series under review. Last week we did Lions. In a couple of months or so we'll do another album. Maybe um, actually, actually we're going to do uh, a side project album in a couple of weeks but yes. uh, every couple of months what we want to do from here on out is have somebody on to go over an album with us whether that be a musician or a fan or somebody that was in the band or was on the periphery uh, or you know maybe it was a backup singer or something like that um, we're looking to align those up so if if you have like an in with somebody that's in the band or worked with them or produced them or or you know toured with them um send us an email with that information and uh, we would greatly appreciate it uh between ian and i we have a few contacts on some things but um we're trying to um kind of shore up our network i guess you would say yes we're uh we got a few things in the works that are going to be really uh really cool and uh you know but we could uh always use any help we can get of course i mean i you know i try to stress and reaching out to certain folks, you know how how much we're interested in in just focusing on the positive stuff. We're not looking to uh, we're not looking for some kind of exclusive on anything or to dig up any no. dirt. Just trying to talk about you know trying to bring somebody that has a little bit a little bit more in the know into the conversation. You know. So if you want to be a guest or can help us get a guest, uh, send us an email at uh, stateofamork at gmail before we get into our main topic of the day, I uh, do want to reemphasize our social media, uh, Twitter, at State of America, Instagram, State of America Podcast. We have a Facebook page that Ian runs, State of America Podcast, and uh, we are on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes. Um, we just uh, started getting reviews on iTunes. Um, if you could go there and leave us a five-star rating and write us a review, that would greatly help us um, to uh, get our podcast out there uh, to other uh, music fans. And uh, before, like I said, I had I had a number in mind of average downloads a week that if we hit that number in a year, I would consider this podcast a success. We've hit it in four episodes. So yes. thank you, thank you for everybody that's listening. Ian and I love doing this. We spend a decent amount of time uh, on it. And uh, it's the kind of thing that in 1998 or 99, when I was first just really getting into the Crows, I would have loved to have had around uh, just to, you know, have somewhere to go to talk about the Crows other than just a message board. Message board's fine, but this, uh, this medium uh, allows us to interview people, and it, it's just... Uh, it's just better, and uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, Ian does a great job on our Facebook page. Um, we're just going to be more and more active as this thing gains steam. So thank you very much um, for, for listening. So I told you we want to go through 
kind of all our different plans for e- different types of episodes. So this is going to be one of those. We're going to call this "Cover Me in a, Was It called? Cover Me in a Good Dream." That's right, right. And this is going to be Volume One. Now, Ian, as a as a longtime Crows fan, you know as well as I do. One of the best things about going to a Crow show is some of the cool covers that they are known to play. Absolutely. They, um, I, I would owe, I would say, sixty percent of my collection here to bands that either they directly turned me on to or or an offshoot of a band they turned me on to. I mean, they opened up so many musical doors for me. I, you know, it's unbelievable. So, I, and it's mostly based off of just the covers they play. And they started that from the beginning. You go back and look at some of those early 1990 recordings. They were doing things like Jealous Guy. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that was one of the really early ones floating around. Um, and they've always done it in a way that I think is really cool. They, It's in a way, they do it out of respect. And sometimes they make the song more theirs than the other artists do. Sometimes it's kind of more or less a note-for-note note thing. But you can also judge a lot of times a show we kind of mood the bands in by what covers they play. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, it's uh, sometimes they, 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 and they, they run the gamut from, you know, songs, you know, to like the more obscure. And it's just, I, I honestly believe that it's, it's the covers they play are the songs that they happen to be listening to at the time or something that they're into or something they just generally really like, you know, and I think that's great. Um, always cool when they open a show with a cover. Yeah, I was actually trying to to remember some instances where I might have had that myself, but I don't. I, nothing immediately sprang to mind. They opened one with "Baby Don't Do It" that I went to. Yes. Okay. Yeah, there's one. Yes. Yes. I did actually. I I was at a show. They did that, of course. Yes. And I went back uh, and watched um, a video of Rich doing that at the Knitting Factory too. Um, yes. That Is was that um, from 2004. It would have to be. It was on YouTube. Um, somebody. Yeah, is that? That's actually a treat that that video because that's the video that uh, Boa everybody knows Boa mm-hmm. took, and um, that was his own personal video and that just surfaced recently. So I mean, that went for years not being seen. I feel I, I watched that so many times, and his cover on that is fantastic. It's also good when they when he played it with Chris, they swapped the uh, the verses and uh, yes. do do a really good job on that. So what we're gonna do this week. Uh, we're going to do this numerous times, so if we don't mention a co- cover that you like this time, just wait. It'll, it'll probably pop up. Uh, we're just kind of going to talk about five that uh, came to our mind uh, for each one of us and uh, maybe a little bit about uh, the artist that they're covering and what we like about the song and their version. So, Ian, I'm going to throw it to you and let you uh, let you go through your top five first, or just five, not necessarily top five. Yeah, I mean, well, these are the first five that... that sprung to my mind and ones that kind of um meant a lot to me you know um hearing them over the years first one i had i two of them are by the same artist but the first one is um uh, a track from neil young's 96 album broken out it's called big time aside from just being a great song the band typically would cover songs that were you know from the archives let's say you know older material maybe you didn't know you know but definitely like vintage stuff and when they first covered big time it was i think the same week the album came out which means which says to me they thought so much of the album and the song that they just had to play it and it's such a great cover of it i i I, it's it's definitely one of my top covers and i think um Magpie cracked it out a couple of times on the on the seventeen run, if I'm not mistaken. I think I have one of those shows. Um, does, this is a perfect song for them to do. Um, one of, 
I don't know if, if it's one of Neil's, in my opinion, last great songs. I mean, he just puts so much stuff out that you can't digest it, especially now. It's like two albums yeah. a year. But I specifically went and bought this CD because of this song. Um, and um, at times, sometimes the I, I think Chris struggles a little bit on it, depending on how shot his voice is. But for the most part, uh, every time I've heard it, it is uh, uh, really good. And like you said, it's kind of the anomaly this album comes out and then they all of a sudden cover. There's a good chance they played it live before Neil Young did. I think I think that is entirely possible. I mean, it's just and you're right. It does. It it's it the uh, lyrically it suits them to the T. I mean, it's it's almost as if it's something they could have written. Uh, you know, and that's that's really cool. And it's it, it falls into the the theme of the the, the kind of the road song, the uh, you know the the longevity of this collective they had going at the time and uh it's just it's it was always a top track for me did this make you a neil young fan or help make you a neil young fan or are you not a neil young fan i'm a tremendous neil young fan and when i was a kid my father had uh like after the gold rush and harvest you know on 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 lp and stuff so i heard them as a kid and then i came back into neil young uh you know surprisingly through pearl jam Oh, uh, with uh, "Rocking in the Free World" and then the yeah. uh, the Mirrorball album. Yeah, exactly. And they kind of championed him as a like the godfather of grunge, and really gave him a lot of respect and performed with him. Then they did that record, and then so I was following Neil Young, and I think his next record after that was "Broken Arrow." So I kind of just went out and bought it. I still have it, the one that's in the the actual digipack, like the the cardboard sleeve. That's what know. I have. Is it? it yeah. That's technically with Crazy Horse, right? Yes, I believe it is, yes. All right, what's your second song? Second one is a, another Neil Young tune. This one I heard, I first heard on the 06 Summer Tour, and it's one that Mark takes uh, lead vocal on. Um, and actually, most of the most of the songs that Mark sang himself on that tour were Neil Young covers, but um, this is uh, a song called L.A. Ocean full of trees and you now L.A. very obscure song from his catalog it's it was on time um, fades away time fades away yes which was up until very recently only available on vinyl neil didn't really like it that much he kind of tried to sweep that one under the carpet for whatever reason i think it was a bad period for him but you know i sought it out and i love that song but i got into that i found out about time fades away because they covered the song la and i thought it was such a great song you know the don't you wish you could be here too the, that that line i don't know so cool when they broke this out in that 05 run 0506 run i'd never heard of it and then i found saw it was a neil young song and i couldn't find it anywhere and finally i saw like you said it was on time fades away so they recorded it he basically recorded a live album of songs he'd never released before and that's right. what time fades away was and he was not pleased with the recording he wasn't pleased with the tour i think he wound up firing part of the band uh, shortly mm. thereafter and like you said until recently it wasn't available there's an album coming out depending on when we release this either this week or the next week called tuscaloosa and yes. yeah and i i think la is on there if i that remember correctly yeah from that from that tour in tuscaloosa alabama um this is a great mark song um i have a couple of versions of it and uh i can't argue with it i, I really like it and yeah, they, he was really doing a lot of Neil Young and and some Eric Clapton too on that O five O six tour. That um, Steady Rolling Man, um, right? They I mean, would do yeah, that. But, so uh, I think it kind of tells you where Mark's head was at during that time frame. 
Yeah, and uh, I mean, the thing I like that Mark does on, on the Crow's cover version of it is he adds a guitar solo to it. So there's like this whole airy kind of long break that he, he builds this really nice solo that the, the original version doesn't have a solo at all. But he kind of puts his own stamp on it, which I always I always thought was cool. Do you remember <clears throat> that, the I guess, their first farewell tour that Say Goodbye to the Bad Guys? They did like five dates in... Um, San Francisco and the encores each night were all from the same artist. Um, yes. And so, you know, they did the Neil Young night, but obviously they didn't do that because Mark wasn't in the band, but right. they, uh, they did a, I was going through my head. They've done a lot of, uh, Neil Young covers. I got one in my list, but, uh, didn't they do come on baby. Let's go downtown. Yeah, they did that. Um, and then like the 96, 97 era, if I'm not mistaken. And pardon they my do- heart. Yeah, pardon my heart. I mean, Rich does a ton in his soul. He does, um, they might have done it in the Magpie also. He does a song from, uh, I think it's on Tonight's the Night. It's uh, Albuquerque. That's true. Is, it's a, that's a heartbreaker, that song for me. And I didn't really, I'm, either I skipped by it or I just it never hit me until I heard Rich do it, you know, and I, I really got into that album because of it. All right, so you've done two, um, two Neil Young covers. What's your, what's your third one? I'm gonna go real obscure on you on this one because I I think even when I when we were comparing lists and I mentioned it to you, you you weren't familiar with the with the band and I don't think I I, I certainly wasn't and until somebody explained to me who the band was, but um it's a track called Let It Be Gone which is uh originally done by a band called the Grease Band, which up until Mad Dogs and Englishmen was Joe Cocker's backing band so definitely a band with some talent you know much like Crazy Horse you know. This is one they did in, in concert. It was I, mostly acoustic, and it was uh, sung by uh, Rich. So, and it, I immediately had to go find that album. And the album, all the songs in the album are equally as good as, as as that particular one. So, for the longest time, I thought this was a Neil Young song. Yeah, you had mentioned that to me, and I could under, I could totally understand why you would think that too. It's very when, much in the same vibe. When uh, when you sent it to me, I was like. The, the Neil Young song, right? <laughs> um, I've only heard it a couple of times. Uh, it's all right. Uh, it's kind of laid back. Um, yes. And kind of fits with what Rich was going to do on some of his solo stuff, I think. Yeah, I mean, it. Um, it that definitely was a Rich pick, you could tell. And um, I don't, it was just something about the... The uh, the vocal on the song because there's a there's a it, the vocal starts with like a you know like it, it goes high and then comes back through. right it's the only time I'll ever sing for you people <laughs> but, but uh, <laughs> thank you I appreciate it but uh, I don't know it's I, I it's always caught me and again it was another one of those ones that made me go find the uh, find the record the covers that I guess Rich is picking them if he's singing them uh, he really picks ones that suit his voice. Um, he, he really, his voice, he's pretty smart with that. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't really, uh, you know, shoot too high in the best way you could, because he, he knows what he's capable of, you know, his, and, you know, and people criticize his voice quite a bit, or at least did early on, you know, um, 
but and compare it to Chris, but it's like Rich never set out to be the singer. You know, right. he just kind of started singing out of necessity, really. That would be like and, critiquing Chris's guitar playing. Yeah, exactly. And it's I, Rich is one of those guys, and um, I've always been musically attracted to singers that their voice it isn't like necessarily what you would quote call quote unquote good. You know, what I mean, it sounds like it's gonna break, or it sounds like unique. You know, even like Neil Young is like that. You know. Right. Rich's voice has gotten much stronger since um, the days of Losing My Mind that we talked about on the last album and his first solo album. Yeah, I mean, I, I believe, because I, I think if anybody has the uh, Live at the Knitting Factory, which was technically his first solo release, um, he um, invites up somebody to sing a couple of songs with him. And uh, that's a woman, Joy Askew, and she, she was actually his vocal coach. From what I understand, and 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 got him to, uh, you know, much better, stable singing voice. You know, he are he was always a good harmony singer. Oh yeah, absolutely. But um, yeah, his his gotten stronger, and I think he wound up re-recording the the vocals on the paper album because I think the tapes got destroyed in Hurricane Sandy. Yeah, I mean, I I remember reading at the time because he he tied it in with the, uh, I, you know, Eagle records had had taken his catalog and kind of re-released it everything except ceaseless sight and um he did that he went to go do paper as part of that and realized that all his vocals were gone off the tapes because they were damaged and he said it gave him an opportunity to kind of sing them with a stronger voice but also a lot of them he changed the lyrics to um and he said he did that because there was some some songs that after he had performed them he realized he didn't, couldn't stand singing them he didn't like his own lyrics you know Interesting. Yeah. I guess Which is you, sad because I kind of like that the original version too. I have both, you know. I, I I alternate which one is my favorite at the time, you know. All right, so we've had an obscure song by the Grease Band and two Neil Young songs. What's your next one? Oh, this one's uh, this one's a hit. Uh, if you want to, if you could term it that, uh, Allman Brothers' Dreams. guys covered this song i think every facet of the band every tour uh, starting i think 91 you know and it's just, but the the versions i really like i mean not that it's going to be a surprise to say this but are the ones that mark and richard are trading back and forth on and even sometimes they had would have a guest like uh warren haynes or something like that you know obviously somebody that was actually in the Owen brothers but uh wow i mean it, it to me a lot of times it will um 
beat out an, an actual Allman Brothers version. They really took that took the ball and ran with it on that one. I don't know. What do you think? You you, you a fan of their cover? It's just sick. That's all it is. Yeah. There's really there's really no more you can say to it than it's just it's just sick. Was that one of the songs? I I get them all confused. Was that one of the songs they did with Big Toe or Foam Foot? Or was that One Way Out? Oh, that was One Way Out. One yes, Way Out. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, Dreams is awesome. Uh, I've seen Mule play it, but um, it the the Crows just do it so much justice, especially when um when Mark plays. I mean, it's just it's almost like the song was written for him to solo on. It was, and and. Uh, it, if you seek out, they have it on uh, on Nugs right now. Uh, Magpie salutes the Tokyo run they did. One of those shows, like I don't remember which one, has them doing a version of it, and that version smokes. It's worth the entire purchase just to get that one tune. I mean, the whole show was great, but you know, just for that alone, it would be it's worth the price of admission on that one. Amazing song, not an easy one to play for sure. All right, what's your fifth one? My fifth one. Uh, I kind of cheated a little bit. I don't know if this counts. It's uh, technically two songs, but they're always played together. Um, it's the Flying Burrito Brothers, Hot Burrito 1 and 2, which, I, you know, I personally would get pissed off when they would only play <laughs> two or one. You know, they have to go together. Well, she They're such great songs, but it also it it introduced me to Graham Parsons, and I can't if if I ever met Rich again because I've met him once. If I ever met him again, I would say, "Oh, by the way, thank you for introducing me to Graham Parsons because that really did a lot for me. I, that music means a lot to me. Got me through some tough times." Uh, Graham Parsons just has a heartbreaking voice, and he, he and a heart some, and a heartbreaking story. Yeah, I mean, but he just, he wrote some tremendous songs, and uh, not only on his own, but with the Flying Burrito Brothers, with the Birds, you know, it's so much stuff, and he's not, he's one of those guys that kind of fell through the cracks, almost like a Nick Drake type of deal, where not a lot of people know who they are, you know? He's it's more he's more infamous than he is famous. Right. Um, you know, they made that, they made that uh, movie about him, but that wasn't that great, and it didn't really cover his story that well. And... He was around during part of Exile on Main Street being recorded until he was yeah. so unruly. They had, man, when you have to get sent away from Keith Richards because of your behavior. <laughs> yeah, if Keith Richards deems you a problem, you, 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 may, you might want to seek help. You know? It's like <laughs> when uh, Steven Adler got kicked out of Guns N' Roses for his drug habit. Yeah. You got a problem at that yeah, point. Yeah. If you're beating uh, Slash and Izzy in the drug department, you gotta you got to calm it down. You know? Yeah, I agree with you on uh, Graham Parsons. Uh, I remember getting into the Flying Burrito Brothers because of the Crows and then getting into Graham Parsons. And it also helped me get into, we were talking about this before we came on the air, the kind of that sweetheart of the rodeo era of the birds. Yes. And that is, that ushered in, like, because, I mean, obviously everybody's familiar with the birds, but, you know, Casual people know the birds from Mr. Tambourine Man and Turn, 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 that jangly kind of, you know, uh, Rickenbacker 12-string, that sound. But then once Grant Parsons was there, took them down this, this very country road, and, and they kind of stuck with it, like, through through the, the, the end. And it, it was a really interesting turn for them. And I, those are actually the albums by the birds I, I like much more so. Well, they would... They would do some versions, some songs off of us. We hard the rodeo. What in um, oh um, one hundred years from now was it on that album or was it like an yes, alter- yes, you're absolutely right. Yes, yes, I forgot about that. It was on that record. Yeah, and that's um, a great one. And then Chris would do was known would do Lazy Days, and I get that confused. Was that Flying Burrito Brothers or was that technically the Birds? 
I think uh, that that might have been the burritos. I don't know. It's sometimes they all get kind of right because it's confused all in my head here. Sound the same around the same time. I have that Lazy Days. I saw them perform that live with the original incarnation of New Earth Mud, and then I got the Record Store Day release from uh, the CRB two years ago um, that hardly anybody else got. They had Lazy Days on there. Yeah, Hot Burrito number one and number two uh, are, are great songs played on several different eras of the band. Um, and you're right, it's better when you get two of them instead of, um, as the song says, it's better when they're not along, huh? Uh, when you get both of them uh, together. Well, I've got to ask you, Ian, what's your favorite Graham Parsons solo song? Well, I mean, you know, there is a lot, but uh, I'd have to say... Um, brass buttons, thousand uh, dollar wedding, and then there's an entire record he did. Uh, well, not he did. Well, I guess he did it, but I mean it came out after he he passed away. It was it was burritos stuff and his stuff. It was called sleepless sleepless nights, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of the stuff on there. I don't know. It's it's weird because I'm not a not an overall country type guy, but a, a lot of a lot of the the true country stuff often touches me. So you know. Well, see that—that's a—that's a. I like uh, another one that the Crows cover. She. Um, oh, God, how can I forget that? And then the love hurts with Emmylou Harris. Mm. Um, I think that's also a great thing that the Crows have done for me. Uh, they've made me listen to some stuff that maybe I wouldn't have listened to. Uh, I'm not a huge like country fan. Not like like country country rock stuff, but. Um, as far as like Graham Parsons and everything goes, they really kind of pushed me in that direction. And with Neil Young, you know, that, that mm-hmm. whole like 1970 to 1975 period. Widespread Panic has done that a lot for me. Like um, they got me into the talking heads because they covered uh, Papa Legba and Heaven and uh, City of Dreams. And uh, and they kind of turned me on to Curtis Mayfield as well. So I think that's what's one of the great things about these bands that aren't scared to play other people's songs. It's just like we talked about earlier. They expose you to things that you might necessarily have given a lot of time. And you're like, well, if my heroes like it, it's got to be something there. I mean, that's kind of my, my thought process on that at times. Yeah, I mean, you know, and you're absolutely right. The bands that aren't afraid to play, play other people's songs, I, I, I admire that. They'll put it out there, you know, side by side with their own material, you know. And oftentimes, too, an interesting thing about the Crows is I like their versions better sometimes, you know. Hey, I, I'm in agreement with you on that. Um, all right, so here's mine. Uh, yes, yeah, let's get to your. Uh, when your, I think of covers, picks. when I think of covers by the Black Crows, the first song that comes to mind every time is "Torn and Frayed" off of "Exile on Main Street." <laughs> first started playing this 96 97 i think they played it a lot on those feather festival dates is that right yes yeah from what i understand yeah i mean how could you not like that song you know and then they played it with uh mark and they played it a lot with uh luther matter of fact it's on the uh aforementioned war paint live uh and they kind of played it and hey grandma and i don't know why and coming home and uh, what was the other Delaney and Bobby song, Bonnie song we talked about earlier? Uh, poor Elijah. Tr- yeah, Poor Elijah. Uh, they played that a lot. Now, I've always liked the Rolling Stones. I went and saw them twice in 1998. But uh, I guess the only songs I really knew off Exile on Main Street were Tumbling Dice and Happy, which are, quote-unquote, kind of the hits. Yeah, right. This made me go back and listen to Exile on Main Street, which I would say now is a top five album for me. And in particular, that center section where it's like Sweet Virginia, Torn and Frayed, Sweet Black Angel, Loving Cup. It's just kind of a... Sweet Black Angel is fantastic. 
fantastic. Great song. All right, so I'm going to do a cheap plug here from other podcasts, Digital Kill the Radio Star. Uh, had a, a, a guy on by the name of Dean Gavney who's just a wealth of music knowledge, and we broke down Exile on Main Street, much in the same fashion as we did Lions last week. So if you're into Exile, go listen to that. But we were talking about uh, on that part, on, on that podcast, that's a four or five uh, song run that is just amazing. And that whole album, I think, is a love letter to American music. You have the country section. You have the gospel section with I Just Want to See His Face. You have the kind of soul section with uh, Soul Survivor. The blues will stop breaking down. You've got Boogie Woogie. You've got you know Straight Ahead, just rock and roll. But there's something about Torn and Frayed that I just think is great. And I honestly, I'm going to say this, the Crows play it better than the Stones. This is one of those versions I prefer more. And the harmonies that Rich has uh, on this are just great. And they just, the, the melody of it, they just nail it regardless of who's playing second guitar or who's playing bass and, and helping them sing. Uh, by far my favorite Crows cover. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right, too. It is one of those ones where, you know, they, they, they almost top the original in a way. And I think it, see, now, like, the original on the on the record and uh, everything is, is great, but it's it's English guys doing American, you know, Southern-influenced stuff. So when you introduce that to actual guys from the South and are a little bit more acquainted with that music, I think that's how they're able to improve on it with their own version. You know? And um, really, we're not scared to play it on that Feather Festival. I have several shows. It seems like every show I, they have, uh, it's one of like the five or six songs they played that night. Yeah, they must have been loving that album at the time, I guess. You know? All right, so you had two Neil Young songs. I have one. And this is one that didn't get played a lot until a later incarnation of the band. And that's Everybody Knows This Is Nowhere with Rich on vocals. <laughs> In particular, the version that is on the um, uh, those five shows they did at the uh, Fillmore on their Say Goodbye to the Bad Guys tour, um, you can actually get those on iTunes. Pretty good quality. Um, this is one of those songs that just fits Rich's voice perfectly. And I love the kind of jam that they do at the end. Uh, this was one that uh, once they started playing it, uh, I always kept my eye out for it in the set list. Didn't get played a lot. Uh, I believe Magpie has played it. I know Rich played it solo. Um, yes. And this made me go out and buy the uh, Neil Young Crazy Horse album. Everybody knows this is nowhere, which, of course, has, you know, Down by the River and Cinnamon Girl on it. And this, um, a perfect hand-picked song by Rich, especially for his voice. Absolutely. And I, I, almost the same experience. I mean, I had the record, but it made me go back and listen to it. You know, it wasn't one of my top Neil records, but it, it became favorite after that. Just, oh, I got to go back. And, uh, you know, I didn't pay enough attention because this is clearly great. So, that's an amazing record. Yeah, there's so much on that that's that's great that you, you even just forget about. Like said, yeah, and he wrote, like, the Down by the River when he had, like, 103 Fever. Doesn't even know what the song's about. <laughs> is that right? I never right, Yeah, that. it's, it's like three or four songs he wrote, and he was just kind of out of his head. I mean... I get a fever. I can't get out of the bed, you know. And he's yeah. like making—he's writing down by the river. He's making <laughs> millions of dollars off of it. Why can't I have that talent? All right. So we talked about uh, bands that the Crows turned us on to, and this is probably my biggest example. And that is when they covered the song "Willing" by Little Feet. So if you give me, we why. 
they put it on the Crowology. Um, it's a bonus track on uh, Crowology. Uh, they played this a lot uh, during that later days with Mark and on the 0506 tour. Before that, if you're like, hey, what's a Little Feet song? I could say Dixie Chicken. And that was it. Yep. And this, I think, is kind of the quintessential Little Feet song. Um, Lowell George died. Uh, he's the one that wrote it. Um, I, I went back and, got, you know, I, I they're one of the great unsung bands of the 70s. And I read where Jimmy Page said they're his favorite American band. Yeah, I Little Feet is fantastic, and in particular, Lowell George. Like, and and as his, you know, from whatever his demons or anything, everything, um, as his role diminished in the band, it became less spectacular. So I really feel like he was the catalyst, and his songwriting was the standout stuff in that. But you're you're right that that Willen. There's actually two versions of Willen. I think there's one on the first record, and there's one on the second. You're record, right, with a slightly different vocal takes. Mm-hmm. I can never remember which which album has which one, but the 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 version that the Crows covered is is the one I I, I do. Like. One of the versions is more almost like spoken word. Yes, he just kind of you know talks the lyrics. Um, Crows would well the brothers would at least uh, on the Brothers of a Feather they would cover Roll 'Em Easy. Uh, right. Fat Man in the Bathtub uh, Magpie played it a lot on uh, the first tour, and I think the Crows even played Oh Atlanta right. Yeah, and actually, Chris joined um, Little Feet later on. I think you know maybe about ten years ago. Or so had an album called "Join the Band," where each track they had guests on, and he was the guest on uh, "Oh Atlanta." You know, with that, which is kind of cool. I don't really care that much for Little Feet after Lowell George. Mm-hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with it. I just think that Lowell George was such a, you know, it'd be like carrying on with the Stones with you no know, Mick Jagger. Right. 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 Did you um do you have that bonus version that's on Chronology? Yes, I uh that was it was on a separate seven inch, right? Yeah. Yeah, I actually paid I bought that and I sent it out and I paid somebody to digitally transfer that because I liked it so much. Yeah, I, ha- I I guess I downloaded it on iTunes because if you go to like Spotify, it's not on there. And I think they also did She was a or a Boomer Story. Uh, it was Boomer Story, yeah. All right, she real, I think is on the actual album. Real quick. Least favorite, my least favorite Crows cover of all time is Boomer Story. Is that right? Yes. And when I just knew you were going to, when I sent you my list, you, I was like, he's going to have Boomer Story on there. I just know he is. I I could have. Oh. Because uh, you know what it is? is that, uh, I have that Ry Cooter record, and I like that. I like the Ry Cooter a lot. And there's something about that. I didn't, I, and I, I understand where you're coming from because I didn't originally like it all that much. And then I started to listen to the, the lyrics. They're very. It's very sad. It's, it's very. And I like sad songs. You know, for, <laughs> for some reason I don't know. It's very like it was. It became like a touching song to me. That's what kind of why I like. It. But I get why people wouldn't like it. It's, it's. Was that a song that Luther's dad produced or worked on? Because I know he did some stuff with Rod Cooter. Because they played this a lot once uh, Luther got in the band. That's true. You know, I don't know if he had. Uh, involvement with that you're right though he did he did do some some work with Ry Cooter. it is quite possible but, all right uh, actually they they broke that out though on in the 96 97 days too yeah yeah i've got a couple of shows with that it just seemed like once luther got in the band that was a uh encore a lot of nights yeah, it did it did up up its uh appearances after that you're right all right my next song is oh sweet nothing by the velvet underground the first time i can remember this making an appearance was on the cabin fever uh blu-ray Say a word for Jimmy Brown He ain't got nothing at all Knock the shirt right off his back He ain't got nothing at all And say Shoes right off his feet. 
they would do, play it, and sometimes Luther would put in a Hey Jude tease on it. Uh, before this, if you're like, hey, what's your favorite Velvet Underground sound, song? I would have to say, like, Sweet Jane or uh, Pale Blue Eyes. Uh, oh, that's a good one. And then I'd be like, they're just the band that had the banana on the album cover. <laughs> <laughs> but I've since uh, kind of gotten into them a little bit more. I like the song, like, Heroin. I think that's a good song. And Oh Sweet Nothing is covered by a lot of people. Fish plays it uh, a good bit. My Morning Jacket, which is another one of my favorite bands, they, uh, they play oh. it. This song, it seems like once they started playing it, every show that I saw, like, once the Cabin Fever Blu-ray came out, every show I went to, I swear, Oh Sweet Nothing, was played. But I, I never got tired of it, and they would, the jam that they would add to it was always so good, and it was, I guess it's the, the, the sonics of the background, of the, of the rhythm to it just led to, to a lot of great solos. Uh, and I think this is one of those songs that Luther really shined on in the Crows. Yeah, I mean, not only not only that, it's it's one of Rich's best solo takes, and he doesn't do a tremendous amount of them. Right. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's uh, to be honest with you, it's uh, it's one of those songs, and there's not a lot of songs, believe it or not, uh, but it's it's a song that you know on occasion has brought a, a tear to my eye hearing it, you know, and. Uh, I really like it, and it's it's funny because I really don't like the the Velvet Underground version too much. Yeah, the, uh, the Crows. This is one of those ones where the Crows hit it out of the park better than the original. It's a great sing along song, which the Crows just don't have a ton of, um, you know, sing along songs. I guess. Uh, no, it's it's perfect, and Rich's vocal on it is really. I, I I would almost. I'm glad that he took the lead as opposed to Chris. It would have been different. It's it suited to his voice really. And one of the few songs we saw early on once they got back together with Luther, once they got together with Luther with Chris playing rhythm guitar on it. Yes. And that, uh, which is, it was great. Cause he kind of, you know, laid a nice backdrop for the two of them to interchange stuff, you know? Yeah. Chris well, is really a, a, a better guitar player than people give him credit for. Especially he, a guy who got into it later in the game. You know? Yes. Um, all right. So my last one, is Fearless by from Pink Floyd off of yes. the metal album. say my top three favorite bands are crows number one but it's a it's a struggle between the stones and pink floyd for number two uh there's been times in my life where almost all i listened to was was pink floyd uh read you know several books and have a ton of their stuff uh this song when i first heard them play it i said no i saw it on a set list and i go i never have thought of this but that's a perfect song for them yeah. And it's another one where we're rich. I think, let's see, um, one, two, three of mine are pretty much rich um, singing on. And um, kind of an obscure Pink Floyd song, because a lot of people think Pink Floyd started when Dark Side of the Moon. I think it actually was their sixth or seventh album. Yeah. Metal, honestly, I, I make an argument that Metal is the most important album they ever made, because it's what got them to Dark Side of the Moon. Uh, songs like uh, Echoes, which is, man, that's just an amazing, it's an, one of the all-time epics. And then Fearless uh, is just beautiful. And I don't think Pink Floyd played it after whatever tour they were on, this one. I've never seen it played. And so to have them play it was really cool. And I got to see them play it twice uh, on that Say Goodbye to the Bad Guys tour. And the version that's on the Magpie Salute live, official live release 
is phenomenal. My friend Kyle was over here one night. We were listening to vinyl, and he is by far the biggest Pink Floyd fan I've ever heard. And I said, let me play this for you. And I played it. He immediately got his phone out, went to Amazon, and ordered the Magpie album. Uh, just based on that one cover. version. Uh, what are your it, thoughts on it? That I've always loved that tune, and I'm glad that they started doing it together because Rich did it on his own, and then Mark did it with Blue Floyd. You know, so it's like it was, it was the first time I've ever seen them come together and uh, with a song that you played individually, and you know, and it's such a great song. You're right; that is such a transitional album, and um, I mean, technically. There was an album that was in between it, but which was um, more, Obscured by Clouds. I you know, think more Obscure by Clouds. I can't remember. Yeah. But you, they're definitely a band you can tra- if you listen from Piper the Gates of Dawn, and you can trace their trajectory of how they got to the Pink Floyd sound, like the typical what people associate Pink Floyd with. But you're right; a lot of people do think that they started with Dark Side of the Moon, and that's and, you know, and that's an important album. Believe me, I mean, uh, I. I don't know anybody anybody that I ever associated with had a period in their life where they went through Dark Side of the Moon and the Wall as a teenage person, and it you know that was the you know they they connected to that. And if you don't you know that's it's great, but they have so much other material that's kind of overlooked because I, of those albums. I can't think of another um, Pink Floyd song that they've covered. Can you? Oh, they did Lucifer Sam with Oasis. Yes, and that's a that's a more of an early one. You know, uh, that's a Sid Barrett type. You know, psychedelic deal. All right, so I just thought of what would be if let's if let's say the Crows do get back together, and let's say they do get back together with Mark. I just thought of a great song for them to cover, "Mother." Yes, and you can have that is a great song, and you could have Mark doing that scorching uh, Gilmore guitar solo, and I let Rich be the mother. Sing the mother part. That actually would be that would be uh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> that uh, that's one of the song few songs too, off the wall that it can stand on its own because a lot of those a lot of the wall is meant to be listened to as a as a, a, a piece. You know what I mean? Um, but that that can be pulled out and and that's actually one of my favorite tunes from that album. Did you by chance see the wall when Waters took it on tour? No, I never. I have never had the opportunity to see Roger Waters perform. And something else always got my money that that concert season before it. You know, I have seen him three times. I flew out to Vegas to see him in two thousand. Actually, that live album that they did, uh, I was at that show that they oh, that's did great. some of those songs. And then uh, <laughs> my old roommate from college, he called me one night. This when uh, the Wall was coming to Atlanta, and he was like. Uh, hey, do you want to go see The Wall with me? And I said, yeah, sure. He said, all right, I'll get tickets. And so then a couple of days later, he sends me an email. He says, uh, send me whatever the max amount of money is you were wanting to uh, pay to go see Roger Waters. And I was like, why? And he's like, I got a little carried away. And I was <laughs> like, all right, $200. He's like, all right, send it. I think he wound up spending 500 or so more. And we were third row dead center for The Wall. Ooh, and nice. When we were... If, you, if you've seen the stage setup where Waters sings Comfortably Numb, he was directly in front of us the whole time. That is the greatest ex- music experience I've ever had. And I don't consider, like if you ask me to rank my top five concerts, I don't put it in the top five because it's just, it's a show. It's just com- something completely different in its own category. Uh, you're talking about being moved, being moved to tears at something. Um, and then I saw him on this last tour, Us and Them, in Atlanta. And uh, visually, it was great, and sonically, it was great. But back to Fearless, uh, a top five Pink Floyd song for me. The boys, the Rich and Mark, just do a great job on it. And um, uh, Magpie, man, they nail it, especially on that live album. That live album is recorded so well. You would almost think it was a studio album. Oh, definitely. And... Um... I think the only thing that was added in after the fact was um, John Hogg's vocals because I don't I don't believe John Hogg was actually at those at that Woodstock sessions, but uh, I could be mistaken about that. But the, the thing I like about their version of Fearless, or really any any version that Mark uh, is a part of, is Mark adds a lot of slide guitar to it, which it's like uh, again putting the Mark Ford stamp on it. It really it adds an element. I mean, it would be out of place in the Pink Floyd version, but in, in the, in the cover, it really, it, it makes it part of their sound. You know what I mean? Well, 
like I said, this is our first installment of this. We're going to do this uh, many, many more times. If you're listening to us, send us a message on Twitter or Facebook or email and uh, let us know uh, what your favorite cover is. Um, Ian, uh, this one was an easy one. It's not nearly as long as our last one. Uh, no. this, this one was a lot of fun, though. Uh, I had to do a lot of thinking on this one. Me too, and uh, I, I still got – actually, because you had sent me your list first before I sent you mine, so I intentionally picked things that weren't – I mean, I, I, I enjoy many of the songs that are on your list. I picked ones that intentionally weren't on your list, so we weren't – because we always seem to agree on everything. So, right. You know. <laughs> we, could do a, we could do a whole episode, call it the Stoned Crow, uh, just Stone's cr- covers. Or yeah. Neil Young covers, or you know, um, blues covers. I like I've got the uh, Government Mule album. I think it's called the Stone Side of the Mule. Yes, um, I have that as well. Yes, yeah, I have that. And uh, yeah, we'll have to go. I'll have to go to Crow's Base and just see how many Stones and Neil Young songs that they have done. Um, Ian, it was all. It's always fun. It's always good to talk to you. I'm really excited about where things are going. I'm excited about next couple episodes that we have kind of lined up and we have we don't have a giveaway this week we're not going to do one every week because uh, we don't want to spoil you spoil you <laughs> but uh we have some cool giveaways and we've had some fans not fans listeners uh send us stuff offering stuff for giveaways and so uh if you want to do that we'll be glad to uh uh take that from you and give you a shout out and maybe give you a little something in return uh i'm really looking forward to the giveaways we have coming up me too i got some stuff lined up you know now now when i go out I see anything interesting, I grab it for a giveaway, you know. So that's how I'm very excited about these things. But uh, yeah, and I just I do want to say again, just before we uh, we hit the road here, uh, you know, I, I truly do appreciate everybody listening, and I, I really thank you, and uh, I appreciate you spreading it on, um, spreading on the word, and getting other people interested. And uh, it's it's just it's it's baffling how how successful it has been right out of the gate, and I, I can't thank you enough. And going to use the old uh, David Lee Roth uh, phrase here. Uh, you know, if you like it, tell a friend. If you don't like it, tell an enemy. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> but, never heard uh, that one. <laughs> but uh, so we're going to we're going to close out appropriately with a uh, a cover tune today, right? That's right. We're going to close out with a cover of the Birds, Mister Spaceman. Thank you all for listening. Stay tall, and you will hear from us next week. Woke up this morning with light in my eyes Then realized it was still dark outside There was a light coming down from the sky I don't know who or why Must be those strangers that come every night In saucer-shaped light Make people look tight Take me along for a ride.